people are more excited about Kyler Murray this season than my buddy Paul Burkholz when the golf cart girl has his mango-flavored White Claws. You're in the doghouse. Let's go. going on everybody it's your favorite boy d-roy and it is friday and we got some stuff to talk about uh gonna be handling the afc and nfc south today and uh talking a little bit about stuff going on around the league uh small transaction today by the miami dolphins as they picked up alan hearns um who severely broke his ankle last season for the Dallas Cowboys, so they're going to bring him into camp. Hopefully he's all right. I like Alan Hearns, just don't know if he's going to be able to make that team. We're also dealing with a couple of injuries in the Giants wide receiving core, as not only did Sterling Shepard hurt his hand, uh, Corey Coleman uh, tore his ACL, so... Yeah, they're going to be really hurting, and uh, trust me, I'm really glad that I grabbed my share of Golden Tate uh, a couple of rounds ago in the ninth round of my best ball draft. So um, keep Golden Tate on your radar. He seems to be going really late still. Um, you can probably get him even in the 10th, 11th round. Great value there. Um what else we got going on? Ooh, Rams extended Sean McVay and, and uh, their GM, Lesney, through 2023. So, uh, yeah, more of the McVay show. That should mean that we're going to see about 30 other fucking assistants uh, get hired for NFL head coaching jobs here by the end of that time. Yeah. Uh, Melvin Gordon didn't show up in the camp, which... You know, he said he wasn't going to. He's going to hold out. And this is going to extend into the season. So, <clears throat> anybody looking to, for my feelings on what to do with Melvin Gordon, let's, uh, let's keep our, you know, ear to the ground. Um, but, as of right now, I would tell you absolutely to stay away from him. Uh, there's going to be some people who go, well, what if he drops in the third round? You know, if he goes longer, he drops in the fourth. Quite possibly. I won't sign off on it. Wouldn't blame you for it. Um, but it's, like I said, um, the LA Chargers, their front office could be the worst possible front office to try to negotiate a contract out of. Um, we saw it, you know, a couple of years ago with Joey Bosa. I mean, what did you want? They they don't move on a lot of shit, and they let stuff just kind of hang on. So, 
Uh, Zeke Elliott also is not in camp. Um, but at least we kind of have an idea when he should be back in the camp. There's like an August 6th to August 8th deadline um, that he's got to meet or beat, I should say. He's got to show up before that um, to guarantee another year of uh, work-related service to get his free agency after after the season. So um, I would expect him to come in. If he stays out, he's probably going to be out for another year beyond that. Um, but Cowboys generally take care of their guys, so uh, not too worried about it. I'd still draft him in my best balls. Once we get to regular draft season, everything should be figured out by then. If he's still holding out by the end of that, then it's quite possible that he is going to hold out long term. So, all right, now that we kind of got through that, um, <clears throat> I know some people are expecting me to really rant uh, today, but unfortunately, I had a real shitty day at work yesterday, so. All my anger just kind of fell out. And uh, um, the conflict was my guy, Jeff Manns, saying that I was wrong in my thoughts on how many quarterbacks that you could carry uh, for a super flex in a redraft league. He says, he says the optimal is three. I say it's two. Um, I've won multiple titles with just carrying two uh, once I kind of figured this out. And uh, I'll tell you why. Now, best balls, you still want to keep. You want to have three. Uh, that's just kind of a no-brainer. You want to have, you still want to have that rotation. Um, if people are willing to draft three in, in a one-quarterback uh, best ball draft, and, of course, you know, they're going to go for three if you're doing, say, a two QB lead. Then your super flex, which you can carry another quarterback. You're going to want to you're going to want to have the three and just rotate on there. But redraft super flex is a little bit different because you, you do have movement throughout the season. And the thought process behind only carrying two uh, versus the three is that it gives you way more flexibility um, grabbing, say, a, a running back a wide receiver to fill in the rest of your lineup. Because it's, it's not just that you're running two quarterbacks out every week. I mean, you still have to fill out a whole team. So you take advantage of the value that drops in there. Everybody trying to grab their quarterbacks and we talk about this in one quarterback leagues where, you know, you can sit and wait until double digit, you know, almost double digit rounds, if not the double digit rounds, especially this year and get a capable quarterback. That's not going to screw you over uh, for the most part all season. <clears throat> when you're drafting the super flex, it's kind of the same idea, except you do have to push it up because the value goes up because there's a limited amount of quarterbacks. I still tend to try and wait 
as long as I can and grab someone who's considered a quarterback one. You know, it's one of the top 12s. And then you kind of focus in on the 13 to 24 for your second quarterback. And you're looking for safety out of that as well. Might not score nearly as many points, but the object is to keep your quarterback safe throughout the whole year where in out of situations where they could potentially lose their job. Um, my example was always I have Ben Roethlisberger and Andy Dalton. They'd always make it through the season. You know, Andy Dalton would never um, flash, but he usually never screwed you. So you'd get anywhere from 10 to 15 points out of him, which was fine. Um, you'd also want to have one of those quarterbacks have their bye week late. Uh, week 9, 10, 11, somewhere in there, if you could. Reason being for that was you're always willing to accept one week of quarterback of one of your two quarterbacks buys earlier in the season to fit in, you know, running back, uh, wide receiver. Uh, God forbid you'd have to put a tight end in there. Um, with the overall thought process that you were willing to sacrifice, even that second week, um, that second bye week for your quarterback or your second quarterback and do it that way. Now the thing that is, is a lot of people don't look at that. So what they do is they grab their three quarterbacks. Most of the time um, you get a couple of teams that will have two quarterbacks. that have earlier bye weeks. So <clears throat> like, let's say their quarterbacks had bye week, uh, week four and week six. Well, after week six, they drop their third quarterback. So they'd be on the waiver wire. So by the time the bye weeks roll around, you have an idea of what's going on with your roster and you know where your dead weight is. Um, so then you'd be able to drop them and you could always pick up that third quarterback at that time. That's why you don't need to go three out of the draft. You can take shots on other positions to fill that spot. Now, I've also been known to um, handle, say, my defense, my kickers in a rotational way because I was waiting longer to get that kicker, that defense. When it came up to their bye week, you just you just switch them out. You just try and find the best matchup possible and accept whatever points you got out of there. Um, same with the kickers, you know, good matchup where potential for your offense, the offense that they're on to score points. So it should translate into your kicker having opportunities for field goals as well as the extra points. And it never really killed you. Um, doing all this, you're really focusing down the road. You always have the expectations that you're going to make the playoffs. Now, it's dangerous to say, well, when you're looking at the schedule like weeks um, 14, 15, and 16, uh, most usual uh, playoffs, but uh, 
So people would look at strength of schedule for that. I'm not too worried about that. I'm just worried about having as much ammunition as humanly possible at every single position so I can make it through the bye weeks. Never worry about whether or not I wasn't going to score any points at any single position. So when you draft three, your third generally comes with a heavy amount of risk to where it's quite possible that they don't even finish out the season. Like, say, if you took an Eli Manning, well, then what happens if, you know, after three weeks they decide to put in Daniel Jones? Well, now you got to. Now you got to worry about that. Now you got to deal with your waiver wires with other people probably trying to get Daniel Jones. Um, and it's really unnecessary. So that's kind of my gist on Superflexes. Uh, anybody can uh, get a hold of me at any point in time and ask a little bit more. Uh, if you have certain types of uh, formats that, you know, uh, my idea, my thought process behind it. Um, but as far as Superflex is concerned, don't, don't fucking argue with me on it. It's a winning formula. It's worked. It was the, the league that I was in was 16 team Superflex, um, which went to an 18 team my last year that I played in it. Um, that was 2017 was my last year. So I won it in 2016, 2017. It went to an 18 team and nobody was told about it, but there were, we were adding two extra teams to it. So I found out to draft. So, you know, that's another thing, knowing your draft. So I, I screwed up on there, but I ended up managing it out because they didn't play it any different. Um, and, the whole time it there was no waiver system so you could go through every single game while the games were going on if somebody got hurt you, you could instantaneously pick up um, his backup as long as you had somebody available that hadn't played yet um, so it was kind of a, a screwy a real screwy league but uh, yeah, I won that. I won that one. I believe through, if I remember correctly, it was either second place a couple of years prior to that, or I had actually won it. But <clears throat> I had said if I go back to back, I'm going to retire from this league because there was nothing behind it other than say, uh, just pure bragging rights. I had, I made no money uh, playing in a really competitive and tough league. Um, so yeah, there there was no reason for me to just stick around, but um, yeah. So I know we're dealing with the South divisions, but we got to talk a little bit of uh, NFC West and Kyler Murray. Um, anybody that actually got my uh, dynasty rankings, I had Kyler Murray somewhere around. Eight, seven, eight, somewhere in there, I believe, without looking it up. But I had put a caveat on there. I said he's the best quarterback that's coming out this year. 
He's the guy that you would want to have. I'm not going to spend up for him. But he's only going to be a long-term solution if he doesn't absolutely get his fucking teeth kicked in this year. Now, why did I write that? Well, because I didn't believe Kyler Murray was somebody that you wanted to start this year. You should never want to start your rookie quarterback. Um, you treat your dynasty team as draft and develop. You should your team your team should always be competitive. You should always have a couple capable quarterbacks, and then you know if you want to have the rookie quarterback as somebody to kind of watch and see if he has potential to star in the league. That's what you want to do. Everybody out there, well, nearly everybody, is all about Kyler Murray. Oh, my God, Kyler Murray, this, that offense. It's going to be so great. The air raid offense, oh, my God, they're just going to score so many points. It's going to be glorious. we got to grab all the wide receivers. We have to get David Johnson at number five overall. Why would you draft DeAndre Hopkins? No, no, no. David Johnson's incredible value at the fifth pick because he's going to outscore Kamara, McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and Zeke Elliott. It's such a value. Shut the fuck up. This motherfucker is going to be hurt by week six. Why do I say that? Is it the system? Yeah, yeah. You got a new coaching staff that's never really had success anywhere it's gone, even in college. You have a quarterback that's had one good year at Oklahoma after coming in for Baker Mayfield. He was a transfer. Kind of just fell into the spot. This has nothing to do with the site. This has nothing to do with his intangibles, his arm strength, anything like that. I like the kid. I think he's capable. But this is a kid that needs a couple of years to sit and learn how to play the fucking game. But he's not going to get that opportunity. He's just going to get tossed out there. And... coaching, the system spreads out the offensive line you know, from the center outwards so it actually puts them a a step or two farther apart the object is to spread the defense out keep more wide receivers out, you know keep the secondary um, separated, open up room okay If it was me and I was the defensive coordinator for this, all right, we're gonna we'll play nickel, we'll play dime, and I'm gonna attack the fucking center all day long with two or three guys and absolutely fucking blow him up. Now, people will say. Well, yeah, but it's only a three-step drop, and then the ball is supposed to be gone. Okay, you're talking about a rookie quarterback that has not dealt with NFL blitzing schemes as well as coverage. 
and you're going to tell me he's going to know exactly where to put that ball every single time, that he's not going to get overwhelmed. You're going to tell me that he's just going to run all over the place, that at no point whatsoever are they going to put their fastest linebacker in a spy position on him. Sure, he'll be out in coverage, probably covering tight end, that can't catch a fucking ball to save his life. So his sole opportunity is to watch Kyler Murray and make sure he doesn't get out of containment. All right. Don't be stupid. There's people that I respect out there that are saying this is that he's the next big thing. Don't be stupid. I've had a podcast for what? This is the fourth episode. I've been doing fantasy football for what? This will be the fourth year. And I can fucking see it. But I got people who are like, well, I've been doing this shit for, you know, 10 years, 20 years. No. He's the real thing. Get the fuck out of here. Go grab your fucking shine box and get the fuck out of the mall. infuriating it's infuriating just for the plain simple fact that people like me I know uh, my guy Steve Renner doesn't like him um, but nobody will listen to us you know we can sit there all day but that's the advantage that you have is when people are telling you this and nobody else wants to listen that's how you sneak in there. You don't think I have circled the first couple of weeks against the fucking Arizona Cardinals for DFS? But not for the offense. It's for the opposing defense. I'll take a probably I'll probably take a couple of shots. Let's take a look here while we're while we're sitting here. Let me get down to the NFC West. I'm really going to do this. So. Catching myself off guard. Arizona Cardinals. Let's see who we got. Who do we got here? Uh, we got the Lions. Okay. Um, it's a better defense. They got a better pass. They got actually probably a decent pass rush this year. And you're going to put them on turf. They're going to be at... Detroit. Nope, nope, nope. I take that back. They're going to be in Arizona, so it'll be on natural grass, so those won't slow them down that much. Week two. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens. We just talked about this defense last week. Uh, actually, this week. Oh, and, and they're in Baltimore. Awesome. Way to go. Uh, then we got Panthers, Seahawks. Yeah. Middle of the road. At Bengals. Eh. 
going to be a pretty good matchup for him there. Week six versus the Falcons at home. Now I said he was going to get injured week six. So we'll circle that Falcons date. Be October 13th, so right in the middle of the month. So, yeah, first couple first couple weeks. You can expect in uh, my write-ups for DFS, you can expect that uh, the Lions are probably going to be on there. They're going to be dirt fucking cheap, too, and nobody's going to be on it. And their secondary is actually better than what everybody thinks it is. So, a little peak there, but uh, we've we've got a couple of divisions we got to get through. And uh, so, I want to keep this within an hour. We got to get going on here. So, let's go to the AFC South. We're going to talk about Houston Texans and their offense. Uh, we had worries about Sean Watson last year, coming off the ACL surgery. Um, wasn't terrific like how he was with the four games, but he wasn't horrible um, and put up decent numbers, you know, less than a year removed from that injury. Um, I'll take what he got, what we got from him, um, but he is still going to go high again. Uh, he's right now, as of last week, uh, you're looking at QB3. Pick 54 uh, in the best balls, and, dra and now we're starting to get actual draft data in here. So he's moved on a little bit uh, from where he was. He was going about pick 44, so he's going about a round lower. And that's squarely within about the fifth round. So um, he's going to be high. He's a high-risk, high-reward. Uh, you will get the running ability. They didn't really do all that much to improve the offensive line. So pretty much the offense that you saw last year, it's going to be the same offense that you saw last year. Uh, they'll try and get Lamar Miller involved uh, for his 15 to 18 carries. Uh, good value uh, as an RB31, pick 70. If you have two capable running backs, go ahead, grab be fine. Um, he's even better if he's your fourth running back, though. Uh, Dante Foreman, still don't really have a good read on him because he can't stay healthy. Um, he is the backup to Lamar Miller. You get him for nothing. So if you're running low on uh, handcuff options, but you have Miller, uh, go ahead and just take Foreman. Otherwise, I'd probably handcuff your other guys first uh, before I did Foreman. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins slips a little bit. Uh, he is still the wide receiver one, but he's slipping two spots down to seven. Uh, that's because, like I said, David Johnson's uh, bumping up above him uh, in most drafts, and you should not be taking uh, David Johnson that high. Uh, that's a message from my buddy James Rocker, who is a David Johnson truther. Fuck off, J-Rock. Uh, we got his, we got Hopkins um, wide receiver mates here. Will Fuller, he's going to be coming back from injury. Uh, uh, indications are he's fine. Um, wide receiver 32, pick 82. Great, 
great value, especially if he's making it through preseason and nothing comes up. Um, he's absolutely fine. He's got wide receiver two value if he can stay healthy um, with that upside that we like uh, on the long pass. He's Deshaun Watson's favorite wide receiver. Uh, Kiki Kuti uh, is moving down uh, because of the return of Fuller. Uh, makes sense. Keep an eye on Kuti, though. Um, if we have any issues with Fuller coming do- um, down the stretch somewhere in the season, because uh, Kuti is a good replacement for Fuller. Um, he showed in the playoffs last year that he's more capable of taking up the job. He has a little less upside, but um, I, I like the kid. Jordan Thomas at tight end. Don't worry about it. Just fucking let him pass. Uh, moving on to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, of course, we started at quarterback with Andrew Luck. Uh, he is now the QB2. He jumped ahead of Watson now. Uh, pick 46. I love Andrew Luck. I'd love to take him. I'm not taking him in the fourth round. More than likely, you're going to have somebody take him in the third, um, if not Watson in the third. Uh, only after Patrick Mahomes, of course. Going to running back, uh, we have Marlon Mack. Currently RB18, pick 31. Uh, third round running back, love him. If he can stay healthy, awesome. Uh, Naheem Hines behind him. Actually just passed on him in the 12th round, so he should be going in about the 12th, 13th, somewhere in there. Uh, he's RB51. He is not the Mac backup. So he's his own entity, and you have to believe that the Colts are going to be playing from behind um, for him to really hit value. The problem is, is that the Colts have a really decent defense. Um, I would probably put him in the top 10. So that should mean that the Colts are going to be playing from ahead, which gives Mack way more value, of course, than he Hines as far as um, how they're going to attack opposing defenses. We still don't know whether or not Spencer Ware or Jordan Wilkins will be the backup. I'm suspecting it's still Jordan Wilkins uh, over Spencer Ware, but that's going to be a camp battle that we're going to have to pay attention to. Neither one really has... Uh, much upside, but if you're the if you do end up drafting Marlon Mack, we need to find out who is going to be that uh, direct backup and handcuff for him. Uh, moving to wide receiver, it's a f- fucking clusterfuck behind T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton right now wide receiver nine, pick twenty five, uh, puts him right at the beginning of the third round. He could slip into the second round when everybody starts noticing. What a clusterfuck um, the wide receiving core is. And it's not because it's bad. It's just because you have absolutely no idea who the ball is going to go to. Uh, Devin Funches, Paris Campbell. Uh, Now we're starting to get reports on Deion Kane, but I already had him in here. Um, And then, of course, Chester Rogers. Everybody outside of Devin Funches is a slack guy. Uh, Kane can play the outside. Um, but they have been working him in uh, to try out that slot, which means that you're going to get rotation um, everywhere outside of where T.Y. Hilton is. So I really don't have any interest in any of them outside of just take your shot on one of them. 
right now, Devin Funches and Paris Campbell would be the odds-on favorite. Campbell being the rookie that's coming in this year, but we, as much as I like Paris Campbell, we all know first-year wide receivers tend to struggle. Um, now, I would say people are comparing Paris Campbell to Anthony Miller, and they can't do that uh, because Paris Campbell has way more competition for that role than what Anthony Miller did in Chicago last season. That's why Miller was allowed to succeed was because he only really had to deal with Allen Robinson. Um, I know Taylor Gabriel's on the outside over there, but they really like they really like Anthony Miller. Trubisky loved Anthony Miller, and that's why he scored so many touchdowns. Um, tight end, we've got Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle. Um, I'm still expecting Ebron to be okay. Not nearly as great as what he did last year, so watch the regression on there. If I got him super late, you know, 10th round, 10th, 11th round, fine. Um, but right now he's tight end eight. Uh, pick 72, which puts him in the sixth round. And I believe the last things that I've looked at, he's slipped a little bit more um, to round seven or seven. And as far down as eight. Um, Jack Doyle is going to be more of a blocker, I believe, than he's going to be anybody that's actually going to be fantasy relevant. Um, he'll... He'll score his from time to time. That's why, if anything, if you wanted to draft Andrew Luck, you're not going to pair him with T.Y. Hilton, um, more than likely, because Hilton's going to be gone. So I would just leave him naked on your roster and not even worry about it and just kind of move somewhere else. Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, we're not expecting way too much here. Um Nick Foles is in a quarterback, uh, very capable quarterback running in, you know, NFL offense, um, but the defense is back healthy, so they're going to try to do a little bit more ball control. Now, they were expecting that to be with Leonard Fournette. Uh, apparently, he's already pulled his hamstring, so we're already dealing with Leonard Fournette. Injuries, he's currently RB14, number 24, so he's going somewhere around the 2-3 turn. Um, I'm not going to touch Leonard Fournette unless he falls into the fourth round. And earlier this week, before that camp injury, I was going to tell you he was a good value at the beginning of the third round. So that's how far I've dropped from him. Um, Reichwell Armstead should at some point be his backup. Um, but I would expect out of the gate, it's probably going to be Alfred Blue, the veteran, who is RB78, 266. Armstead is RB64 at 213. So you're looking at virtually nothing until unless something really bad happens uh, with Leonard Fournette. Although Armstead's probably going to be the guy that's going to get drafted, you know, 11th, 12th round, somewhere in there as a handcuff. So if you want him, if you get stuck, or here's a better thing. If you get stuck with Leonard Fournette, let's say you're able to get him in the fourth round, like I said. Uh, hopefully we have hopefully we have confirmation on who the backup is, 
whoever that, no matter if it is Alfred Blue, I'd probably still take the shot on Armstead. If Alfred Blue ends up being the direct handcuff, he'll go higher and Armstead should fall. Um, get a little error in here. What's going on here? Okay. Now I feel comfortable. Um, wide receivers. Westbrook is D.D. Westbrook is the guy that's going um, the highest at wide receiver 42, 106. There's not really a lot that I like in here, although I will probably take the shot on Marquise Lee, uh, who will be the slot guy, and Foles loves throwing to the slot. Uh, he's wide receiver 80 to 34, which means nobody's jumping on him. You're going to get him for nothing. Uh, D.J. Shark would be... And Keelan Cole would be the upside guys. I uh, want to see kind of how this shakes out. Make sure Lee um, makes it through camp without any major injury. Um, you do have Chris Conley there. Now, there's been a little bit of talk about Chris Conley possibly being a sleeper. Um, Chris Conley is only going to be a sleeper if Marquise Lee is not there. Chris Conley cannot play anywhere outside of the slot. So don't buy into that whatever, wherever you hear it. Uh, tight ends, you got Jeff Swain and the rookie Josh Oliver. Not really going to touch him, although I will keep an eye on Josh Oliver. He is very talented. He blocks and he catches. So um, just kind of keep an eye on him. Not somebody you need to draft, but uh, somebody definitely with some upside later in the season. Jump over the Tennessee Titans. Um, of course, we've got Marcus Mariota at the quarterback, or is it going to be Ryan Tannehill, who they brought in from uh, Miami? Uh, not going to take a shot at Mariota at all. Uh, every single year, he's had problems with that throwing elbow, and there's something wrong there, so I'm not going to jump on him. And, uh, yeah, uh, we're not just going to play Tannehill this year, all right? Uh, moving to running back, everybody's darling, Derrick Henry. Uh, he is mine as well. RB, currently RB17, 33. Um, he keeps moving up. Now, he went in my latest best ball draft. He went about mid-three. Um, I was drafting at the end of the third round. I was hoping he was going to fall to me. Derrick Henry, by the end of... All this is going to be at the 2-3 um, turn. So if he falls out of the second, if, if he's not in the second round, and he comes in the third, and you're drafting early in the third, and you are either going to go running back heavy, meaning you're going to go 3-RB, or you have a running back wide receiver, grab Derrick Henry. The system is made for him. They finally realize that he is the guy. I am not worried about the Taylor Luan suspension, which he got for four games. Um, he'll be back soon enough. I'll gladly wait for the production after a month, um, if it's going to be that big of a hindrance. Um, because everything's going to be predicated off of Henry play action, everything. 
Henry's the focus of this offense. That's what you want. You want the guy who's going to get all the carries. And it's going to be Henry finally this year because Deion Lewis is a bag of dicks. Moving on to wide receiver, kind of same thing with Jacksonville. Jaguars, not really uh, high in anybody here. Corey Davis, of course, would be the highest. He's wide receiver 36, 92nd pick overall. So he's got a lot of upside. He is the number one. If he's going late, that late, sure, I'll take a shot on him. But I want him to be my wide receiver three, not my wide receiver one or two. That's the only thing I'll tell you. Adam Humphreys, way to kill it. Way to just absolutely kill it in free agency and be irrelevant for the next five years. Uh, we got rookie A.J. Brown, who's wide receiver 72. Um, he just got hurt today. Now, we don't know the extent of it, so that's something that we're going to want to pay attention to because um, if it's something severe, then that would move Taewon Taylor up, who is currently undrafted. Uh, tight ends, we got Delaney Walker and John New Smith. Stay away from here. This is an absolute trap. If you're not high on the running back or the wide receivers because of the quarterbacks, you're not going to be high on the tight ends. Um at least not out of a, not for a tight end that's got a quarterback that has the worst elbow situation I've ever seen. So, I'm going to move over here to the NFC South. And who do we got? Oh, we got the Atlanta Falcons. This is one of my buddy Steve Renner's favorite teams. Oh, my God. He, he's got to be so high on Matt Ryan this year. Currently QB6, uh, pick 71. Which would put him in the sixth, sixth round. Is that right? It's way too high for me. Um, but in most drafts, he, you know, your home league drafts, Matt Ryan just ends up getting forgotten about. So he should fall. He should fall somewhere between eight and ten. Eight and ten is fine. If he's going before the eighth round, just let him go. Um, but I am expecting him to have a pretty good season this year. Um, just not great. As long as Devonta Freeman stays healthy. Uh, he is the main guy. There's no Tevin Coleman there anymore. Currently RB, He is currently RB15, pick 28. So it's, he's bumping up towards the front of the third round, which I expected. So he'll be around 2-3 turn uh, before long. Um I've taken a shot on Devonta Freeman in best ball, but I've been getting him late in the third. So I'm not at that point, you know, and it's best ball. It's whatever it is. You know, you get injuries, you get injuries. Um, I will back him up with Edo Smith, but I'm keeping an eye on Kadri Allison. He is the rookie that they just drafted this year. Um, fifth round out of Pittsburgh. He's actually a really decent running back, and he's more capable of actually backing up Freeman than Edo Smith is. Edo Smith should be his own guy. Um, you know, third round, third round situational back because of how small he is, um, but he does have quickness. Uh, moving on to the wide receivers, we've got the usual trio of Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Mohamed Sanu. Um, 
Julio Jones is going right about where you would expect wide receiver four. He's bumped up, well, actually down to 11th overall. Um, I would still expect Julio Jones, you know, more like we've you know talked about. You know, running backs tend to go a little bit quicker, so he'll be there in the second round. Um, Calvin Ridley is going to be your wide receiver 22, pick 57. So he's going in about the fifth round, which is not a bad value. I'd rather have, I would rather have Calvin Ridley than Chris Godwin because you're getting the round extra value. I like Chris Godwin. I think he's going too high. I'm just going to throw it out there and be honest about it. You want to take him there? Fine. Make him your second wide receiver. Do not make him your first. Uh, Muhammad Sanu uh, would be a good uh, late draft guy if you just looking for depth. Uh, Sanu can definitely fill in on your bye weeks uh, just fine. He's pretty stable. He is getting a little bit long in the tooth, but I think he's still at least got this year. Um, but that might be it. Uh, there's also Justin Hardy in there, but I don't have him in the rankings because there's no way in hell you're drafting Justin Hardy, even if Mohamed Sanu goes down. Uh, tight end, you got Austin Hooper, who is currently tight end 11. Uh, pick 121. It's actually a really good value. You'll probably actually get him uh, for tight end 2 value, as everybody will just forget about Austin Hooper. Um, do not jump earlier than the 10th. In the 10th round on Hooper because uh, you're going to lose considerable value. Um, like I said, I think Matt Ryan's going to be really good. I just don't think he's going to be great. At least not like Austin Hooper 2018 great. So just be careful with it. Moving on to my buddy Steve Renner's second favorite team is the Carolina Panthers. And of course, Cam Newton is favorite player. Uh, currently QB 9, 89 overall. Perfect. He's going late enough in drafts. Um, actually got him 10th round in my best ball. So he's been traveling farther and farther behind as people have worried about the shoulder. He's fine. He threw a bomb to fucking Curtis Samuel. It was gorgeous yesterday. Uh, running backs, of course, you got Chris McCaffrey at the top. RB3, 3 overall. You can take him anywhere. You can take him one through four, and I do not care whatsoever. Um, like I said, of the four, Christian McCaffrey is my number four, but my only concern is I think he's going to get injured, and that's kind of why I'm staying away from him. If you like him, go ahead, take him. He should be he should be pretty good this year. He'll regress from last year, but it should still put him in top four category. So, I uh, have listed Jordan Scarlett as his backup. I'm not moving on there. I uh, also have Elijah Holyfield on there just in case something happens with Scarlett. He gets hurt super late again. But you draft Chris McCaffrey, gets a handcuff. You're going to get it late because nobody knows who the fuck Jordan Scarlett is. So, uh, wide receivers, we got DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Chris Hogan, and Jarius Wright. Hogan and Wright. They're in here. 
don't draft him unless, of course, Curtis Samuel or DJ Moore get hurt. Outside of that, it's going to be more than Samuel. We're going to get the uh, bulk of him receptions. Um, DJ Moore, of course, being at the top. Now, he's currently, and this is last uh, Saturday's ADP, uh, he was wide receiver 26 and 66. You will not keep DJ Moore outside of the fourth round, maybe early fifth. So just keep that in mind. He's he's actually going higher than what his current ADP is saying. Everybody's excited about DJ Moore. He's got a lot of upside. He is the true number one um, with Kurt Samuel coming out of the slot as wide receiver 50, 126. Great value. I just missed him up on my latest best ball. Really pissed about it. I do like Curtis Samuel. Uh, tight end, you got Greg Olson. Nope. Nope. Oh, oh, oh. Not touching Greg Olson. Um, oh, let's, let's move up. You know what? Let's skip that team. Let's go right to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is my buddy Steve Renner's third favorite team in this division. Um, quarterback Jameis Winston. Quarterback 16, 125. Uh, he had a coaching change here. As he had Bruce Arians come into town, uh, take over this offense, uh, which allow, which allows Jameis Winston to actually make decisions, which is probably the, not the best possible thing that you want to do with Jameis Winston. Uh, I've been fooled by this way too many times. Yeah, Winston puts up the points and in the yards and stuff, but I'm going to focus. I'll focus on him for DFS. I'm not going to focus on him in seasonal, but he has a great value. QB 16, 125 overall. Uh, running back, running backs got Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones. Peyton Barber's the anointed starter right now, but Peyton Barber really has no upside. Ronald Jones, we don't know what his upside is outside of what he did in college. And we can't really go off of that now because apparently he's really stupid and can't figure shit out. Um, so that's that's why he's not getting any playing time. But Ronald Jones is actually the more talented running back in the two. Um, but you're going to get them right next to each other. So whoever the starter is, whether if it's if it is truly Barber, you're going to get them around pick one away. So ninth, tenth round, a lot of people are getting scared, and they have let him drop down in the eleventh. <clears throat> but um, if you want to take a shot in this backfield, I would prefer to do it if you're on the one of the wheels. You know, if you're like on the four or five turn, or five six turn, you know, something like that, where you're you got two consecutive picks. Now, I'm not saying you need to take them there. This would actually be, I'm going to tell you, 10-11 or 9-10, somewhere in there. If you're going to do it, you would take them consecutively just to lock the backfield down and see if you can wait it out. Now it's dangerous because you're wasting two valuable picks on there, whereas you could probably pick up um, a capable wide receiver three, four, uh, 
or a high-end backup handcuff for one of your top running backs. So if you're waiting in your drafts uh, to fill your running back depth, that's the way I would do it. You want to do it with your consecutive picks if you can. So, but it's it's very hard to do because once you take one, somebody's going to take the fucking other just to stick it to you. So, wide receivers, you got main man, Mike Evans, wide receiver seven, pick 18. Um, still isn't getting backed up into that first round area where he flopped, so everybody will pretty much uh, stay away from him, keep him towards the back of the second round, but in this offense, he actually could be um, a top three or four wide receiver uh, potentially. So it's actually really, really good value to get him at the end of the second round. Uh, Chris Godden, we've talked about, he's going... Uh, currently on here, he's early five, but he's actually in the four. And then you got Brashard Perriman, who has never done a fucking thing in his life other than, say, ruin your wide receiver core. Uh, he's going super duper late, and I don't have any interest, but I'm going to keep an eye on him because he is, he is talented. It's just... He's like Devontae Parker. He just always fails. Fails at life. Um, moving on to tight end, you got everybody's darling this year, O.J. Howard. Uh, tight end four, 56 overall. That's incredibly high for uh, a tight end that shares his field with uh, two other tight ends. And like we're talking like capable catching tight ends. So, um, I included Cameron Brait in my write-up, um, just in case O.J. Howard does tend to get hurt, uh, because Cameron Brait is, like, in, he's considered a tight end 29, 280 overall, but Cameron Braid is not a tight end 29. Cameron Braid is going to fuck up O.J. Howard and his fantasy value this year um, to where you're not going to get that tight end 4 value. I'll stick with that till the day I die. As long as Cameron Braid's there, he is, he is a fucking thorn inside of O.J. Howard. All right, so uh, last but not least, uh, we did go out of order. That's because, you know, my buddy Steve can turn his podcast off now because just we're going to go over his least favorite team in the division. That's the New Orleans Saints. Um, still have Drew Brees at quarterback, QB7, uh, 78 overall. He's actually dropped further than that um, as everybody's trying to grab the young guns and uh, – Everybody's forgetting about Drew Brees, so you'll be able to get him late. You'll be able to get him 10th round or later is my kind of projection where he's going to be at um, come August, as everybody forgets about him. But he's a stable quarterback. He's going to get his yards. He's going to get his touchdowns. Now he's not going to have complete upside as what he's had a few years ago because he's getting older. But you can trust in Brees way more than you can trust in, say, Tom Brady. Um, 
this offense is, is yes, built upon the running game, but it does have way too much upside in the receiving game uh, for Drew Brees to not suck uh, again this year. So, uh, running backs, Alvin Kamara, he's RB4, fourth overall. I like him as third overall. I, I still won't put him above uh, either Saquon or Zeke. He would go above Zeke, of course, if Zeke would hold out until, you know, National Fantasy Football Day on the 24th of August. Like if it's the day before and he hasn't signed, he, or he hasn't come back in the camp, yeah, I'm probably going to take go ahead and just take Kamara at two. Um, you've got his backup or running mate, uh, Tavius Murray, RB3685. Everybody's expecting him to take the Mark Ingham role. I don't think it's going to be that deep. Um, but in here, I would, I would still take Murray to back up Kamara. Now, I would start Kamara every week um, unless certain situations arise, you know, injury, something to where uh, Murray is capable guy to uh, fill in for Kamara. Uh, but Murray will have his own role. It just it won't be a complete Mark Ingram role. It'll be more change of pace and whatnot. So not like a guy that you would start week to week outside of a Kamara injury. Uh, also have Javorius Allen only listed in here only because he's a veteran. And then you got this little guy that interests me, Divine Zigbo. That's somebody that I want to keep an eye on. Because if he got a shot in this offense, now he's a um, undrafted free agent. Um, I don't know exactly right offhand where he's from, but um, I did check out some tape on him, and I actually kind of like him. He, he he's not somebody that you draft because he might not even make the team, but. Um, he's got a shot, and he's got upside, so there's a possibility that he could make the team, which means that he would be on my radar for later in the year. Um, moving on to wide receivers, you got Michael Thomas, wide receiver three, number 12 overall, currently in a contract dispute. Um, Michael Thomas wants to be the first $20 million a year wide receiver. Uh, I've heard they've offered him 19, which means they're only a million off, which means I expect uh, Thomas to get his wishes and actually report to camp uh, sometime probably before the first game of the preseason. So I'm not too worried about it. I'm still drafting him. Now you have um, Traquan Smith, uh, Tegan, Keith Kirkwood, and Cameron Meredith. That's the order that I would take them in. And the numbers seem to concur uh, with Smith, Traquan being wide receiver 58, 170. This will be his second year in the system. So uh, we saw what he can do when given the opportunity and put in the right situation. So kind of a steep learning curve as far as. Uh, this system, 
and where you need to be in working with Breeze. I would expect him to be better this year, and I'll take another shot on him. Uh, Tankian, I'm going to kind of let go um, just because of age. I know it's ageism. We shouldn't be doing that. Respect our old folks, but uh, yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna really let him go. Um, maybe if you have a super deeper draft, maybe take a look at Keith Kirkwood. But uh, outside of like a really deep bench type deal, I'm probably just gonna let him go. Cam Meredith, same thing. Injury history is it's unfortunate. I really like Cameron Meredith, but. Uh, it might be time for him to just hang it up. Uh, last but not least, uh, we have Jerry Cook at tight end. I like Jerry Cook. This offense is made for t- catching tight end. Um, currently tight end 7, 74th overall. A little higher than where I want to take him, but I'm not going to fault you if you want to take a shot on him as he actually should be the second in targets behind Michael Thomas. Um, third overall, if you're including Elvin Kamara in there. Um, or even fourth, if you want to include Taysom Hill in there. I mean, hell, get a lot more reception than some of these wide receivers. Womp, womp. So, that does it for the South, which means that we'll be actually moving on to the West next week. Um, yeah, not much, not much else I really want to cover. Um, we'll get into a little bit more of the commandments on Monday, maybe drop four, since that's going to be the informational one, four or five. We'll, we'll get through a lot of those and then finish it up next week. Oh, you know what? No, we're going to finish it the week after because I'll be in the end game for um, the draft guide. So we still have an extra week. I forgot that we can get that done. So until next time, hey, this has been Roy Dog. Find me on Twitter, Roy Dog underscore 13, R-O-Y-D-A-W-G underscore 13. I cannot believe I forgot to say that at the beginning of the podcast. I'm tired. Let's get the fuck out of here.
Jesus. Put the sound back in my fucking headphones. That means that I'm at a, you know, listen to my goddamn voice again. And it just reverberates. But cool weekend I got going on. I got my fucking dog over here who I don't get very often since my divorce. So I'm going to take her out to the park. Uh, get some walks and stuff. Might take her to the lake tomorrow. Because I'm taking that inflatable kayak out tomorrow. It's a special lady friend. That's why we leave that, that type of information for after the music at the end. Because now probably the one or two people that have figured out that there's shit after that music ends. Now so you know. So Good times here in Wisconsin right now. You know, we're up here drinking our fucking White Claws and, and drinking our past Blue Ribbons, but, uh, you know, should be a good weekend overall. Uh, like I said, we'll get to the West next week. Um, I'll be gone next weekend. I'll be leaving very early Friday morning, so it's back the podcast to be next Thursday and I'll have it out on Thursday so it's all done and good which leads me once I get to once we get through the ASC and NFC West I want to get have my little mini vacation because I'm supposed to go out to Montana this year shit when I'm right um, long story short you know I'm, I wasn't able to go this year so I just need to get away all the shit been doing the fan been, been doing fantasy football since Super Bowl ended so I just need to unwind and just be away from it um, and then we'll finish everything up I want to get all the ADPs put in from that from from next Fridays all the way up through next Friday so we kind of have that tracking for every single player that's in the draft guide um, and then take that, take the players, transfer them, and make the list. So you'd have, you'll have you have a quarterback list, a running back list, a wide receiver list, and a tight end list. Um, I still haven't figured out if I want to do it um, with Word or if I'm going to do it through the Excel spreadsheet. Um, it might look a little bit better on the Excel spreadsheet, so I might go that route. Um, and then I can interchange, you know, as I go. So, um, I'll probably take the, the majority of the following weekend through there. So, so that I said it was going to be out on the 9th. I probably have it done the 11th, maybe Monday the 12th. And then just roll it out with that podcast. Um, but your ADPs will be up through the August first, and that should be that should give you a good barometer of where everybody's at. Um, nothing's like I said, nothing outside of injury is ever going to change out of there. Um, and I'm going to just be adjusting the ratings accordingly. So if we get any major changes, you'll have you'll have you know, that change recorded on 
um, a new spreadsheet. I'm not, however, I do it for your listing for your rankings. Um, and then you'll have your ADP where where your actual ADPs are. So if you're on Yahoo, uh, Fantrax, Archie Sports, you know, where, you know, fucking god awful ESPN or CBS, um, you'll be able to see where the industry uh, ADPs are. And then, you know, if you have the screen for Yahoo or whoever you're doing, then you can kind of compare them and stuff. And then that's how you gain the advantage because you'll have all the sets sitting right in front of you and you'll know where to draft them. So, but, uh, yeah, until then, you guys take it easy and, uh, talk to you guys on Monday. Bye.